podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks, Danfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby. Good evening, Jan. Yeah, good evening, Trevor. I, uh, I hope you're well. I still think the Reds are rolling along nicely, aren't they? It really is uh, good for the spirits at the moment. Um, I think, as we said the last day, it feels like we're a little bit ahead of the curve that most of us thought we'd be on at this point. So that's very heartening. Um Lots I want to talk to you about. I suppose we should start with the most recent thing that most people will have witnessed. But I do want to get into where you think we're placed in the table and whether it's uh, looking encouraging there. And we'll get to the league chat in a bit. But I suppose the most useful thing we can do is chat about the most recent game. And it was one that I think most people had the same experience of, Jan, unless they were lucky enough to be at it, because it wasn't on any of the, the normal channels that you can access football on. So most people were watching it on streams, which is so far from ideal for watching a football match. It, 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 it can be heartbreaking. You just... The last time I watched it, for example, Darwin Nunes was bearing down on goal and then it craps out. You know, that's the kind of nonsense that people have to put up with. But we are talking about the Bournemouth victory, uh, which was 2-1 in the Carabao Cup, leaving us now in a semi-final against West Ham. Quite a few bits and bobs I'd like to chat to you about around that. But before we do, just what was your take on that most recent Reds performance? Um, I think... A strong-ish team, it would be fair to say, was that kind of the the, the level of strength you were expecting them to go with, and and so on. And like the, the the like seeing the likes of Salah in the starting lineup was a shock, I think, for some people. Um, what was your reaction to that? Um, I, very well deserved, if narrow margin of victory over Bournemouth. So first thing first, so we don't get ahead of ourselves, Trevor. It's right. a quarter final against West Ham. You you oh, said the, a semi final. It's sorry. a quarter final, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So prior to the game, I'm thinking, I don't mind losing this game. Yeah. Because I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking, 17th of December, Manchester United Anfield, 23rd of December, Arsenal. So do we really want to squeeze another game in? Especially when prior to this round of Calabar Cup games, you're thinking, well, there's a possibility that you could be playing Manchester United, Chelsea, Newcastle, you know, Arsenal before they lost. Even Everton, you think, do we really want that? Uh, so I don't mind losing games until I lose them, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. had we got beat by Bournemouth, I'd have been pissed off. Although before the game, I would have said I'm quite happy to lose it, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, but he has a tendency, Klopp, doesn't he, in cup games to always put one or two in that you might not expect to play. And I think he knows that 
we're, we're we're not we're not hanging on at the moment. We've got a lot of good players, and a lot of those good players are in good form. So I think he's thinking, let, let's keep him going. And of course, every time you play a game of football, you're under risk that somebody's going to get injured. But if somebody gets injured, we've got others. You know, we've got others to step in, isn't it? So let's go with what we've got and keep things alive. Because there's a lot to be said for keeping things alive, isn't it? Uh, and I, and I think that's what he did. So in terms of the performance, for starters. I mean, I don't know how many tickets do we get at Bournemouth, probably a thousand, twelve hundred or whatever. I wouldn't have liked to be one of them fans uh, at that stadium in that weather because the weather conditions looked horrendous. That was the same as you, Trevor. I had to wait for Liverpool TV to, to broadcast the game before I saw it. I thought, when you play football games in condition like that, some things happen that wouldn't normally happen. And I'm talking about a couple of corners that Bournemouth had in the second half where, where the wind, you know, almost took it in. Joe Gomez headed one off the line and then eventually uh, Clive had scored from that sort of same position. And, and they're kind of to do with the weather, isn't it? So, but I thought we we deserved it. And we got a run out from a lot of players that normally didn't play. And we had the big boy at the back again, Kwanzaa playing, and it did really, really well again. So that in itself is a positive, isn't it? Davin Nunez got himself another, well, a very well-taken goal, isn't it? So, I think it's good. And then, as we're here now, and now we've got to play West Ham at Anfield, I'm thinking, you know, we're only two seconds away from a two-legged semi-final, and there's a there's one half of the draw, isn't it? And then there's the other half of the draw, isn't it? Where, you know, you've got the likes of Paul Vale and, and, and Middlesbrough, and well done to them for getting to the quarterfinals, isn't it? And you kind of look and you go... <laughs> Wouldn't mind the two-legged semi-final against Port Vale in January, would you, Trevor? With the big prize being Wembley at the end of February. <laughs> so it's all good. It is all good. And there's loads of little areas I want to go to there. And we will, don't worry for folks who are wondering, we will go back and have, and have a quick chat about the Forest game as well. But there are a couple of little things arising out of that. We'll get to the potential um, opposition in quarterfinals and semifinals and all that kind of thing. Well, we know our specific opposition in the quarterfinal. But just on the the Nunes thing, which um, is a a topic that uh, some people are are, are, um, obsessed with for right and wrong reasons, I think. But I think I remember saying it um, on Raw immediately after Forrest. And I think I said it to you in the last show. I've never seen a guy be so beloved so instantly. It's 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 incredible, really. The the level of popularity the kid has, and I, I think you have to be a special kind of detractor. And we saw a few of them um, going by the name of journalist, if you can believe it, uh, coming out trying to denigrate. Um, Juan Nunes as a footballer, basically, uh, talking about the heavy touch that he took uh, in the lead up to that wonder hit. Then on the other side of things, I don't know if you've seen this, Jan, but it's actually very, very uh, good fun to watch. Um, There's a side by side with that goal scored by Nunes and an almost exact replica scored by Fernando Torres where he cuts in and that driven shot that dips just under the, the crossbar. I suppose what I'm getting at in a long-winded way is, to me, I think I'm very much one of these people who's all in on the kid. I see nothing but potential for um, improvement, and I'm very, very fond of the level that he's reached now. If it was not to get any better necessarily than where he is now, in terms of goal involvements, assists, and scoring, I think we've got a very good lad operating a very high level. 
I get the feeling, yeah, there might be even more to come from where where you find yourself landing with the Nunes thing at the moment. First, and I think this is quite interesting, how do you end up with a player like that that's always in the headlines? You know, yes. it's a headline if he doesn't start. It's a headline if he starts. If he comes off the bench, it's a headline. And I think it's best des- described or watched by, you know, Klopp's reaction when he scores that goal. You know, there's even like a, a reaction from Klopp as if to say, this is what this kid is capable of. And there's, there's, there's always yeah. that little bit extra every time Nunes does something, isn't it? What he does is yeah. never enough, is it? There's always an aftermath of whatever that is, isn't it? So I don't know how you get players like that because you will have other players who doesn't almost doesn't matter what they do and people forget their performance or whatever, isn't it? But Nunes will always be the first talking point at the end of every Liverpool game even when he hasn't been involved, even if he's injured or whatever. He's always a story, isn't it? So, that must be bizarre. You don't mind being... You expect to be a story if you're not playing well, or you expect to be a story if you've done something, scored a goal or playing well, isn't it? But it must be bizarre to be a footballer that regardless of what you do, it doesn't matter what he does, does he? He is the story. You're the story. So I don't, yeah. so I don't, know, how you, I don't know how you cope with that as a player. Mm. And then you ask me, is there more to come? I don't know, Trevor. I don't know if there's more to come because I think, I know what you're saying is the more to come and what you're hoping more to come. I think we've seen all that. I think he's in glimpses, he's shown the level you would like him to get at, but I think he's there already. And I don't think he can help himself playing the way he plays. Mm. So it's, it's, it's inconsistent. It's wherever else you, I don't think we'll ever see a sort of a, a 90 minute at a high level David Nunez. He plays the way he plays. And I think that's what makes him unique. Uh, so I can't, sometimes you see, so player like Cody Gakpo, who is so keen on becoming a better player and so keen on learning. Uh, he, he basically begs every day, please, please, please make, you know, I don't think David Nunez is in that camp, you know, I think he understands that you have to train uh, end to a mean in it, but I don't think he wants to train. I think he just wants to play football. And I think he's quite prepared to accept that some of the things he does, like the heavy just before the game, that's how I play football. You know, but in the end, the outcome is always, but I always get there. You know, what does it, what, this is just how I do it, isn't it? You know, and it's like people do other work, work and whenever you go, how did you ever get there? You know, well, I just do. And I think that's almost like that with Darwin Union, isn't it? How do you ever, I just do this. It's, it's what I do. And I don't think he puts it. We're all greatly concerned about Darwin Union, aren't we? You know, and I don't think he is. I think he knows that. I'll, I'll always get there. Don't worry about it. You know, when I'll still end up at the end of the season with 25, 30 goal involvement. And there'll still be people going, well, I don't know. Is he, is he actually any good or not? You know what I mean? But he, I think he just knows that. Do you know what? I don't care what people say. I will always end up where I want to be, yeah? Which is, you know, scoring, creating goals and whatever it is. I, I don't I just think he's one of those that more and more, it's never been easier to put a footballer in a, in a box and go, this is what he does. You know, because football have done that themselves, haven't they? They've gone a number six, a number eight and whatever. It's never been easier to put people in the box and go, this is what he does, in attacking fullback, defensive fullback, whatever. Davin Nunes just breaks all of that, I think, you know. I think he break, breaks all of that. You kind of go, 
what does he do? Cody Gakpo, when he plays as a number nine, you can exactly, you know exactly what he is. He's a false number nine. What is Nunez? Is he a false number nine? Is he a, that Fernando Torres? I don't know what he is, Trevor, but the end result more often than not, it's very enjoyable. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed, we don't all have to be the same, do we, Trevor? We don't all have to be, you know, no mistakes and blah, blah, and whatever, you know what I mean? Gavin Nunes is just, yeah, well, they've described it, haven't they? Uh, what was it that the uh, chaos, you know, a chaos footballer? But I don't think he, mm. he views it like that. I don't think he views it as, I'm a chaos footballer. I think he kind of 100% knows what he's about. So all these things that we sometimes wonder about, like going around the goalkeeper against Toulouse and then hitting the post, I don't think that bothers him, you know. <laughs> you know, the, the people, you know, people call it, a, see somebody call it a Ronnie Rosenthal, isn't he? I mean, it's almost an honour, isn't it? You know, I, mean, I think that, I said it 10 times now, I don't think it bothers him. <laughs> but you're, you're right wrong. too. No, no, I think you're right. And that game was a perfect example because, yes, he did that, but nobody mentioned the fact that he'd already scored in the match. Yeah, yeah. And so, so he's kind of done his job. If you want to look at that as the most elaborate assist in the world, then you can do that. The point is, he's there doing damage. And I, th- I think I'm very much in line with you. I think he knows what he's about. He knows what he's capable of. I think the problem, Jan, and you probably agree with me on this, was was Jurgen convinced of him being having enough about him to be a Jurgen Klopp regular? Because... And this is this feels almost mean to say it about Gakpo, but you've brought him up, and I think he's a good example. Gakpo's got this, you know, famously wonderful professional attitude. He is very much a technical player, um, and he will—he's a systems player. He can do what you need him to do, and he will do it. Um, and you can rely on him more or less to do it. But with Nunes, is a little bit more off the cuff, like you say. And I think the worry was. Is he going to get himself to a stage in terms of consistency of product that Jurgen Klopp can go, I, I fucking got to play this guy. That's it. I've got to play him. He's, he's, he's too effective to not play. And I feel like we might be there. I think you were saying the same. I think, I do also think there might be potential for more consistency, but I think we might be there in terms of the level being high enough that Jurgen goes big game. He plays. What, what, do you think, do you think he's there yet? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, you mentioned that consistency again, and it, 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 it depends on the individual, doesn't it? You know, what does Darwin Nunez think is consistency? I think I, I know what he thinks consistency is, and that's been involved in scoring goals, whether that's an assist or scoring a goal. And I think he views that as being consistent. You know, all the other things that we view as being consistent, and you, let's let's go back to Cody Gakpo. Cody Gakpo, I think, has a quiet dream that he would like to be the next Bobby Firmino, yeah? Being able to play that false number nine and do all the things that Bobby did. I don't mm-hmm. think Darwin Nunez has any aspirations of being anyone other 
that, that, that Davin Nunes and what he does. And I think his consistency comes from he he has a shower at the end of the game and get, goes in his car and he goes another goal involvement. And what did he want? You know. And I think that's he he views his own consistency like that. You know. And you know you talk about that. And of course we all want players to be consistent, isn't he? But if he comes away with thirty goal involvement at the end of the season, Trevor, in a season of fifty odd games, yeah, you know that's more than that one in two, isn't? It? I mean. Those numbers are good for somebody who I don't think will start 50-odd games in a season. He won't, you know. Uh, he'll start whatever it is, 30 or 40 or whatever. And so I just somehow, if we can look beyond all of that, it just feels right in a way. As a as a footballer, to me, he just looks, yeah, okay, that's what we got. But as I said, I'm like you, Trevor. I, I, I like what he brings, you know, it's... You can't be at Anfield, can and he comes on, and instantly, you know, he doesn't have to do anything. Just the only thing he needs, he needs a better song, doesn't he? We, now, now we need to we need to get him a better song going with each other. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, yeah. it's not enough shouting his surname. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I just thought it was hilarious uh, that when Gravenberg, who is very popular and seems to have a tremendous attitude and proven a lot of people wrong in terms of people who, who might have been dubious about him, scores that goal after the ball hits the post from Darwin's great run and, and remarkable attempt at, at missing. Uh, the crowd cheer, but the first chant is Nunes. And it, it, that's what I'm talking about. So, you know, you've watched as many Liverpool teams nearly as I have even in the early 80s when you were elsewhere you've been aware of them I mean a good pal of yours was doing pulling up trees there in the shape of Rushy in the years before you arrived as well so you know what it is to see a tremendous footballer play for Liverpool and you know what it is to see a footballer being embraced you felt that yourself you it, it was a, a fondness for you amongst the fans and some players just have it. I wonder if you're actually bang on about it there. Is that what's, what's so refreshing about Nunes is that he is completely different and maybe people understand that kind of instinctively. Whereas tremendous footballers, like really, really good footballers that I've seen live at Anfield, people are groaning at them. If they put a foot out of place, having done 95% of wonderfully efficient things, they're, they're just on their case. Uh, again, you've talked about it before. People even as, as, as fantastically high level as Ronnie Whelan looking up and going, these fuckers don't get me. They don't like me at all. What's that about? And he's patently a wonderful footballer. I wonder, is it that fans you know, and we'll count ourselves in that bracket now, although you obviously have a, a far different perspective on the game than, than an average fan. But fans like that surprise element. They like that unpredictability, especially when it does end in goals or, or, or goal assists. We we often talk about that. Uh, and often you're asked to do a top five, top 10 best Liverpool players ever. Uh, top five, top ten most popular Liverpool players ever. Uh, and some people always assume that certain players will be on that most popular list and you go, no, no, no. Popularity is a whole different thing yeah. than being on the greatest players list. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. I, I can't explain it, Trevor. Maybe you have more knowledge than me. Isn't it? So, But off the top of my head, I'm thinking Robbie Fowler, yeah. 
Fernando Torres and this boy. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I know other people go Suarez and, and, and whatever, but Suarez was one of the top three players in the world. So you kind of go, yeah, but he's such a good player, isn't he? Uh, you know, whereas even for Robin, there's been a little bit of inconsistency, blah, blah, whatever. But, but, and then you've got the likes of Divock Origi, who, who becomes a cult, he's more like a cult figure, isn't it? Uh, it's a bit like some people mentioned Eric Meyer. Do you remember Eric Meyer back in the day? Of course, yeah. He sort of became a little bit of a cult figure and he appeared in the, in the cup, didn't he, at home games and whatever. So, but I just look and I think Robbie Fowler, Fernando Torres and David Nunez. And I think it's pretty simple, Trevor, is that people just go away from, from the stadium and go, he brings what I want. Yeah. I look at a footballer. What do I want? I, I want him to give 100%. Yeah. And then I want him to bring me joy. And he does. You know, and I just, it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've got, I've got a friend who's 59 years of age and he's just, he's just fell in love over again with a footballer, you know. Mm. He says, I've, you know, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah and he said, yeah, I love them all. He said, but, he said, this is like, you know, when you're seven years of age and you go, this is the first football I ever, this is why, for some people, this is why I'm a football fan. It, it can be individuals, it can be football clubs. And, and he goes, I just don't know what it is, he says, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's 59 years of age, he's got, he just can't get over this fella. He said, I don't know. We'll never learn. We'll never learn. As, well, as you it's say, though, it, isn't it? it's great. It's great. And yeah. as you say, it's the difference between the best and the most popular. It's very interesting because obviously my hero from the very start was Kenny Dalglish and then we've got Rushy and, you know, these are guys who have to be in your top five of all time because of, of their, of their impact on the team and, and, and the amount of trophies won and all that right, all that great stuff. But, but you go to Robbie first and you go to Torres first because of that magical thing that the fans had. Um, I, I think it's a really, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you're, you're spot on with that observation. There's a big difference, a subtle difference. Obviously fans love don't we also think? Don't we also think, Trevor, because we like our own, don't we? Yeah. And they are our own. So Robbie Fowler's career is Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I I understand he went to Leeds and Manchester and whatever, but he's, he's career is <laughs> Liverpool, isn't it? And you ask Chelsea fans, most of them go Fernando Torres is rubbish, yeah. And 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 that's a lot of people view and go, was he really all that? And we go, oh yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Avenue, isn't it? A lot of other fans go, that striker you paid all that money for, is he any good? And you kind of go, well, he does for us, you know. You you don't have to. Whereas the respect you get with, with Sir Kenny and and Bussy and all that. Or even fans of other clubs go, we wouldn't have minded them yet. But with these, it's like kind of, these are our heroes. Isn't it? These are our, you know, the, the popularity of these guys is just for Liverpool fans, isn't it? Because even like, you go back to Robbie, Robbie wasn't a, a popular England international either, was he? You know what I mean? He, he's just, he's just a Liverpool player, isn't he? Yeah, that's that's exactly it, and and you know, and almost on the far end of the scale now, not in terms of popularity necessarily, but in terms of the impact that the kids have and, and the, I think, impetus behind his career is we're all the way back at the far end of the field. And he's the only other one, one I want to f- focus on for a few minutes with you is Quivine Kelleher, um, who obviously started. And I was listening to um, my mate Dave's daily show today, and he had this remarkable stat that uh, um, Kelleher 
had only 21 senior appearances going into this season at the age of 24. He's since turned 25. Um, you compare that to the other kid that we had there for ages, uh, Grabara. He mentioned him who does well with Copenhagen. He gets his loans. He's gotten a move to Wolfsburg <coughs> and so many other, um, fellas of a similar age around the league that you could look at. And in each case, what's happened is they've gotten their loan move and it's an interesting part of the game. Um, and I wonder what's going on there with Quivine because Klopp is obviously very fond of him. He's obviously a very good goalkeeper and his, I think, appreciation rating and profile were incredibly high for that really paltry amount of games because of his contributions to actual trophy lifts and um, because of his heroics on the way to those trophies. So it kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit as to what the strategy is here, because if he's that highly rated, is it just handy to have him around? And again, you'll have insight here from playing and managing what do you do in a situation like that? Because it feels like we're not serving him very well at all. I think people had this dream that we were going to get 25 million for him during the summer. Now, um, that guy we were being linked with, uh, Verbruggen, I think didn't didn't he get signed for somewhere in the 15 million bracket? So the 25 million for Quivian was probably pie in the sky anyway, Jan. Um, and maybe the club had convinced themselves they were going to get that. And then when they didn't get it, well, I guess we'll just keep him because he's useful, but it just feels like we're not serving him very well. And it feels like if we're going to have him on our books um, as a potential successor to Ali, even for a couple of years, he needs to start playing football. And even if he does get the next three Europa games, you imagine if we get into knockout stages, it's the big man back. So what do you think? Well, I think the same as you, basically. Uh, he's too good to be a number two. Mm. Uh, and I, I do think that because the club know exactly what they got on their hands, they probably did have an aggressive price uh, attached to him in, in, in the summer when they wanted to sell him because they were aware that for financial uh, fair play reasons, whatever, we, we, we needed as much money as we can to go into our yearly accounts, isn't it? And he must look, I mean, well done, Trevor, by the way. You've done your homework on, on Camille Carvara, haven't you? Uh, yes. And and uh, he is doing well with Copenhagen, by the way. What a good goal he looks. And a few years ago, we had the Hungarian, uh, went to like, well, he's still alive, isn't he? Uh, Peter. Come oh, yeah. oh, my God. I, you've, you've, cur- you've cursed me now. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But Keller must look at them and go, look what they've gone on to achieve. Yeah. And without being disrespectful, but they were no, nowhere near getting the game at Anfield, were they? So he must look at that and think, yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? So it's so, so difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, although <laughs> Alisson didn't appear in the top 10 of the best goalkeepers in the world, did he? At the, uh, Balanova oh, thing. <laughs> That's just uh, embarrassing. That's embarrassing yeah. for everyone concerned putting that list you know, together. I mean, that's it's it's it's, it's idiotic. It, 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 Mo Salah being eleventh when you look at who was seven, eight, nine, and ten is also pretty idiotic. But no, no presence at all for for Allison. It it almost feels like an agenda. It's weird. It's it's very weird. I mean, I I, I can't I I can't see how you could justify that. 
Um, are we that delusional, Jan, as Liverpool fans, that we just we're, we've ourselves convinced he's the best in the world? Do, I, I mean, it would suggest that we are being delusional if they've come up with that many other lads who are better than them. Trevor, even if you're deluded in it, I think most people would agree, regardless of who you support, he's in the top three or top five in the world, isn't he? You know, even if you have to be really harsh, you would go, surely this boy's top three or top five, isn't it? Uh, what I like about him, sorry, I don't like class goalkeepers. You know, I like goalkeepers who do their job. I like goalkeepers who don't create panic, uh, don't add to already what his difficult situations is. So this is obviously coming away a little bit from Keller, isn't it? But Keller is, is, is too good not to play. Uh, we probably value him too high, but it's not going to go on forever. I didn't realise he, he turned 25. The boy needs to play. He's too good not to play. Feels like that. Um, so I'd be surprised if, if there's not something happening there, especially when we have Pitaluga and at least one other highly rated kid as well. Just before we move away from the competition, um, we have a quarterfinal against West Ham who did quite a number on uh, Manchester United to get to that stage themselves. Um, oh, sorry, not on, on Arsenal. And we saw Newcastle uh, do a number on Manchester United to move on as well. So that draw that you talked about, it's very interesting now. So we have West Ham, Everton have Fulham, Chelsea have Newcastle. Now, that in and of itself is great, I think, because that's another major you know, challenger for the trophy out of the way. And then, as you mentioned, Port Vale and Borough. And the semi-final is a two-legged affair. Um, there, do you, would you subscribe to the idea that if it is going to be a Chelsea, uh, Chelsea or Newcastle that we get, that's big if, assuming we get past West Ham, who might have their tails up, who knows, there will be a, a big test. <coughs> But if we get past West Ham and we're facing a two-legged semi-final, now you said earlier on, kind of tongue-in-cheek, you quite fancy a two-legged semi-final against Port Vale, and I think everybody knows exactly where you're going with that. But I think I'd fancy us over two legs against any of them. So here's the question. Would you be better off if it is going to be, if you're going to have to face Chelsea or Newcastle? I'm not dismissing anyone else. We know cup competitions, how they can work out. But if we have to face one of them, if we're lucky enough to get past West Ham or good enough to get past West Ham, is there an argument to be made for doing the bigger, the, having the tougher opponent in that two-legged semi as opposed to a one-off game in a final where kind of anything can happen? Do you see the kind of logic I'm going at here or does that make any sense yeah, to you? Yeah, I do, Trevor. Uh, but I think in this instance, I have, I have to be a player. Uh, and when I look back at Wembley appearances, uh, 1992, we played Sunderland uh, in the FA Cup final, and it just didn't feel like an FA Cup final. Right. When you compare 86, we played Everton. 87, we played Arsenal in the League Cup. And 89, we played Everton again. And I, I just think that the showpiece, uh, uh, for me, the dream final would be to play Newcastle. You know, go to Wembley and play Newcastle at, 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 okay. at Wembley. Okay. Uh, because I think as a player, you don't get many opportunities, do you? And I think there's a number of players who played in that 92 Cup final who people have forgotten they've even played at Wembley and won an FA Cup final because, yeah, it wasn't, you know, 
it, it never really became a competitive game. I know we only won two 0 but it was never competitive. We were too strong, isn't it? And I just think that no, let's go to Wembley in a show off. That's why I always go back to the eighty six Cup final other. Because for four years them two teams dominated. And this yeah. is our one one chance here. But let's take everything we got and let's go to Wembley, yeah? You bring fifty thousand fans, we'll bring fifty thousand fans, you're bringing they still have Linux and Ola, and let's go and see. You know, in a one off who's the best team, isn't it? And that's and that's why the eighty six Cup final gets what it gets today, isn't it? in terms of how people remember it and in terms of importance, isn't it? And I think the same with Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle wants to. He wants to get to where we are, yeah, consistently. Well, let's go to Wembley and let's play them then. Let's see what you've got. You know, uh, that's just being a player. In the end, it's about winning trophies, isn't it? But I just think as a player, if you can win a trophy playing against the best there is in a one-off final. So nobody could come back and go, yeah, but. Because people do that with 92 to go, yeah, but. You know, it wasn't much of it. No, it wasn't. But that was not our fault. This is so. Let's get to Wembley and let's play Newcastle at Wembley. Uh, and let's take Everton in a two-legged semi-final. Hope, and I think they will. I think they can beat Fulham at home in a in a one-off quarter-final, isn't it? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I actually like that. I like the sound of that. And I do like the idea of, of Newcastle because they are very much, you know, the emergent force. And it would be nice to maybe have an opportunity to maybe to put a little bit of manners on them. I like this idea very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with your, I'm going with your, your layout here, Jan, very much. Um, they, obviously we had a, a game against, uh, Nottingham Forest. Oh, ju- guess what's just popped into my head? Galaxy. Galaxy. That's it, Peter. There, you go. there he there is. You go. Uh, so, I believe he's on a bench now at Leipzig, but I think he's been injured, isn't it? But yeah, but he's done well for himself. But as he's well. done well. Yeah, he's carved out a yeah. group. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Forest game was, again, I thought very interesting. Very much felt to me like one of these. The reason I mentioned it, and I wanted to not leave it out, even though it's back in people's minds now. You remember the gist of this show for the first four seasons was very much. If the Reds show up, they'll have too much. I'm getting that feeling coming back slowly but surely that we do have enough match winners now that you wouldn't doubt us getting back into a game where we're behind, pulling out a winner late in the match. The kind of things that we've been doing as a team for almost the entirety of Klopp's reign with that, with the exception of that sort of jumpy season. And it's a lovely feeling to have back. And I very much had it going into the game against Forrest, even though we knew that Forrest have some very good footballers and can play a decent style of football. 
I think they were hampered myself, Jan, and you can tell me if you if if you think I'm talking nonsense, but a few of us mentioned it on the show afterwards. I think they were hampered by not having a proper target man, which they're used to. If it's not Wood, then Awanyi. I don't know why he didn't do that. Um because they seem to have not be able to get any purchase at all against us. You could say that that's tremendous defending um, by Liverpool, that we kept them very much at bay. They were restricted to a handful of opportunities for the ex-Mank lad, Elanga. Um, one very good opportunity for, I can't remember who the, who the chap was who had it, uh, but it was basically a centre where he should have done much better. Um, but you can count on the fingers with about three fingers, their chances. It's felt to me, Jan, like one of these performances that we had gotten so used to. It was, there were gears to go up. That's how it felt to me. I don't think that's a complacent attitude. I think I'm basing that on what I saw. What, what did you reckon? And do you think we're getting to that level yet? It looks that way. And the thing with, and we didn't go through the games because we didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, but I still think that if you look at our last two home games uh, in, in Europe, what, what did I end up? Five, four, five, one. What did I end up, Chuck? That was four, one. Five, one. Five, four, one. one. Yeah. 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 And sh- three against Forest. Yeah. So eight. But you still go, yeah, they could have easily been 12 or 14 goals, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, we, we had that many chances in the Forest game. You go, it was, it was three nil. Uh, but it could have been six. Uh, so that's that feeling you got again. So no, I think that's, that's, that's fair. But that's how we feel again. As long as we, yeah, as long as I think even for for, for Forrest and, 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 and Luton on Sunday, we just need to semi turn up and we've got too much. You know, we've got we we, we had a couple of seasons you mentioned them, isn't it, where it was hard work. At the moment it's quite we just got a little bit too much, haven't we? Uh, and that was evidence. I mean you could do a show on, on Forrest and how they play and how poor they look away from home or compared to how well they do at home and I I get a little frustrated with their manager. Uh, but but maybe he's just earmarking games and going, we need to get to 35 points and these are the games I'm going to get the points in it because they're very, very strong at home, aren't they? But they didn't offer a lot and that's a combination of, yeah, maybe them leaving an important strike on the bench and what did he get, 17 minutes in the end and whatever it was. Isn't it? But, yeah, Forrest will finish 14, 15, 16 and comfortably stay up, you know what I mean? But, and then they'll go and sign another 30 players next summer and see what it takes them. It is a weird thing, I'd imagine, to get your head around as a fan. Some fans are sort of depressingly practical people who like to spend ages looking at the club's balance sheets, those kind of lads. And they could probably get their head around that strategy you were talking about there, which um, it would appear the manager has. And several managers have been like that over the years. Um, Lads who are firefighting um, and trying to keep teams out of the relegation zone, that's their goal. They, as you say, earmark games. And there's a kind of a notable lack of ambition then from the teams in those games. The idea being that you build yourself up um, for the ones where you're up against the teams around you and therefore you sort of edge yourself out of that sort of shark pit. Now, I think as a fan, I would find that very difficult to cope with watching my team sort of lacking that ambition to win the game of football but I can absolutely see the practical side of it Um, is there an alternative strategy or is it naive to have an alternative strategy in your opinion as as a a man who's managed so 
St. Luton we play next. They will try and win every game. They will turn over their strongest 11 in every single game and they'll try and win every single game. Uh, whereas Forrest now falls into the category of teams who doesn't. I just, the one thing you have to, you have to get used to losing games when you're near the bottom because you will lose a lot of games in the season and you have to overcome that disappointment, isn't it? Uh, and, and, and we'll talk about that about Luton in a minute, isn't it? Uh, I'm not, I've never been a fan of it, but I understand how important it is. But I just think that if you don't show ambition in every game, you're never going to hit that moment, those moments either, are you? You know, you're never going to get that moment like Barnsley had when they came to Anfield and I think they won one away game that season and they won at Anfield. Yeah. You'll never get those moments if you give up half of your away games every year. You know, you will never get those moments. You know, it's history, isn't it? You know, so I just, Sam Allardyce started it, didn't he? And go, let me tell you how you stay up and they go, Look, just play your strongest team for 38 games and give it a go. You know what I mean? I, ca- I can't see that the difference would, would, would be like that. But there'll be plenty of people going, yeah, and you're old-fashioned, you're too naive and whatever. But that's just how we we grew up when football was entertainment, Trevor. Before it was business and before it was analysed to death and whatever, we grew up when it was entertainment, isn't it? And we want everybody to play and give it a go for every game, isn't it? But it's no longer like that. You're right. You're right. Practicality wins the day every time now. Um, there are a couple of short little things I want to deal with, and I might leave one of them till the end. Yeah, I'll leave one of them till the end because it's a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. We can get back to it. Just really quickly before we go to Luton, um, have you heard anything um, in terms of rumblings around whether or not we are likely in your various chats with colleagues um, in media outlets around the place, whether or not we're likely to go and strengthen um, in the next window. And the reason I ask is the midfield conversation won't go away. And and, and I think everybody's aware the ongoing stories about Tiago and how, you know, another two months, another two months, it's just, I think it's always there in the background, looming in people's heads. A couple of injuries, we could be screwed here. Um, and we've got a lad kind of toiling manfully in a position that he, he would be better and he's world class in a different one. So you'd like to see him being able to do that. So I'm hearing stories about um, <coughs> Andre, the guy from Fluminense. I'm hearing stories about a kid called Ezekiel Fernandez and another one called um, Barco, Valentin Barco. Both of them, I think, are at Boca Juniors. These are stories, but they are recurrent stories. I'm wondering, are you hearing anything at all rumor-wise or is there even a suggestion of it? Because when I've said this to you before, you've had a kind of inside track where someone just said to you, it's nothing's happening, you know, forget about it. Uh, and I think people would like people always like to have maybe that kind of extra bit of knowledge are you are you hearing anything at all about recruits no i'm not i don't think the plan is to recruit in january do you know uh, but obviously but obviously things can change uh, and i think the most likely would be the one we've been looking at for the longest which is andre uh yeah. the, the, the young brazilian uh what what could make us or force our hand in january is and there is one or two rumors that arsenal might be looking his way 
uh, if they can ship Thomas Partey out and they might be looking at him so that might force our hand a little bit in or if we do something with Thiago whatever that might be uh, but I think it's now being viewed as we can end up in play in the Carabao Cup and Europa League which means that we can rest one or two of the bigger boys and I think they're quite pleased with obviously the progress of Curtis Jones who yet again I thought had a really good game at Bournemouth Harvey Elliott uh, will always only be what he is but we can use it uh, and then at some stage by it's, 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 it's going to come back in and so I think they, they're all bonuses that is making the hierarchy thing at the moment let's not do anything unless we're forced to by somebody wanting to go and, and sign some of the targets we've got so at the moment from what I'm hearing from some of the best connected uh, journals to Liverpool is that there is no plans in January to go and, 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 and spend. So you think, and obviously Gravenberg comes into the chat there as well, you think some sort of floating trio of Curtis, Dominic, Alexis, Gravenberg is probably going to be his go-to, three from those four for the next while. My only question to you on this is, and I've heard some people very, very seriously high-minded um potentially a little bit pretentious people chatting about this and talking about it as you don't need a defensive midfielder, blah, blah, blah. And you might not need a fella who is nominally a defensive midfielder, but you do need to have a, a midfielder with strong defensive traits. We have talked about this. We've talked it to death. We know that every big team in recent years has had one, including ourselves. Um, is that a concern for you? Or do you think there's something about the combination of athleticism that we can have there, the energy? I'm talking now, really, of any combo from Curtis, Sabozlai, McAllister uh, and Gravenberg that sort of leaves us compensating in some way. Um, and a different team, yes, but and if, and possibly a more effective unit going forward, a more threatening team going forward. And therefore, perhaps we won't be winning games 1-0, but we might win more games 3-1. Does that have any ring of sense to it? Yeah, I think you only got to look through our games to have you and then see there's an awful lot of three ones, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, but, but I have to be honest, if you look, <laughs> if you look at the top teams, they, they've all got a, a chop chop number sixes. And I, I have to be honest that had we been able to pull off Caicedo, I know we were never in the Declan Rice uh, fight to try and get him, but had we pulled off Declan Rice or Caicedo. I would have been absolutely delighted and you would have been already now. We would never have had to answer, answer to that question where people go, are you worried about Liverpool defensively? Mm. Uh, I'm not overly worried about Liverpool defensively because I know what we're capable of offensively. Mm. So I know that if should we concede one or two, I know we're capable of scoring three, four, five. So I'm not overly concerned uh, about that. Although people say, well, what about the big ones when they play City and whatever? It's but I to be, I, can I say that Declan Rice arrived at Liverpool I think we might have won the league. Uh, but having said that, it's always, it's only that quality of number six. I'm not sure the boy Lavia would have been able to, but no, no, I'm going to jump all over him. Isn't it? But I'm not sure he would have been ready to take on that responsibility in, in, in a team pushing to win the, the Premier League, isn't it? But like I said on Declan Rice, I took both of them all day long, regardless of the fee. Sometimes you just go, got to get them. We didn't get them. Uh, and I think it might be a Allison scenario 
where people were screaming about getting the goalkeeper and the club were going, we don't feel that we can get necessarily better than what we've got at the moment. So we wait. Mm. We wait for our guy. And of course, I think all Liverpool fans would like to wait for Alisson. It might be a case again where we've gone, OK, we've gone in big for a couple of number sixes. We haven't got him. Now we've got somebody else that we're keeping an eye on, whoever that might be. And we, we will just wait uh, and, and get him when he's, when he's available. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. The encouraging thing is that um, Endo's getting more minutes on the park and they're of a higher quality than the ones had been previously. Um, and I think betting him in in Carabao Cup and Europa hopefully will result in him turning into a useful performer for us as well. So that if we do decide to try and lock it up in a given game, that he might turn into that player for us. And I think I very much feel like you're right. There are still stories about Ducouré again. There are still stories about um, uh, Manu Kone again, lads we were linked with in the past. Um, but, you know, I, I like you, I believe it when I see it. Um, I want to mention briefly, before we finish with Luton chat, the um, the situation with Luis Diaz and the kidnapping of his father, both his parents originally, and now <coughs> the retention of his dad. Um it seems to have turned into a situation where it's there's a political aspect to it in terms of the group that are holding him. Um, we heard Jurgen speak about it. It's such a mad concept for us in this part of the world. Of course, people who live in South America are far more familiar with it as a sort of way of life is way too strong, but it's a thing that happens to people who are rich or people who are famous and therefore uh, kidnappers believe that money can be extracted from their families or from the rich people themselves. Um, it's, it must be a horrific, horrific situation. But I did think, and again, this is just, I'm, I'm just asking if, 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 if you're, what, what the latest you've heard on it. I did think there was something vaguely positive, but very vague in what Jurgen was saying. Um, not necessarily that they were close to a result, but that, Maybe he was t- just talking about if Luis feels like playing, obviously we want him to play, but if he doesn't, then that's very cool as well. He, Jürgen was being very uh, supportive, sympathetic, but I, I'm not, it's, it's, it's all very quiet. There's no real info coming out at all that I can hear anyway. Have you gotten any angles on that? 
No, I haven't. Uh, a bit like you, Trevor, there's, there's one or two rumours, and I'm, I'm never keen on rumours, whatever, in whatever walk of life. Uh, you know, I just thought that if we were close to resolving this, then there would be some police uh, boss coming out and saying, you know, we're close to resolving this. But I do think there's a positive in that. We now get a feeling of who might potentially be holding him. Uh, obviously, the next thing is, is to try and find where they're holding him. Is. But I always think it's a good start if you've got an idea of, who it might be, uh, who's holding his dad, is it? But in terms of, I haven't lived away from home and away from my parents, but only a couple of hours, I can't imagine. You just can't imagine what that is like. You expect a lot of things in life, Trevor, but surely not that, uh, even as a Colombian, you know, as you said, it happens from time to time and you, you, I wouldn't know what to say. And obviously the fact that you don't feel that, it would be the right decision for him to, to, to travel back and be close to his, his family, isn't it? It's, it's just horrendous, isn't it? And then obviously the one thing that might be able to help you is playing football, isn't it? But you really feel like playing football? I, I just I just don't know. I mean, he obviously looks like a, a strong-willed young man. Uh, but at this, it's just one of those, isn't it? You just got to wait and see what happens and he'll be a big part of that decision making isn't it uh, will he play on Sunday against Luton it, it depends on what happens between now and then I think I honestly think in this situation and this is where our, our manager is different from other managers I honestly think Jan if Klopp thought it would be good for Luis to play irrespective of Klopp thought he would be the best option I think he'd play. I, I honestly think we've got that kind of man in charge of our team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. And again, it was just nice to see that his welfare as well as his dad's welfare were very much top of mind with players. We saw Jota's little gesture. These things make a difference and um, hopefully um, it'll be resolved soon. I do want to talk to you. And I'm going to flag it up now for maybe talking about in the next show, which might come around sooner than we think, because I, I, I think next week's another Champions League, Europa League week. Am I right? Is that right? You, so you'll probably yeah. be a, yeah. a busy man. Um, so we might have to go early in the week if you can manage it. Um, so just to let that to, 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 to you might, I'd, I'd just love to get your take on what's going on with the club in terms of, you saw the story about the lad being uh, asked to leave with the Palestinian um hoodie you saw you might have seen the story about the fellow with the banners now he had an endo banner with a japanese flag as part of the banner and he was asked to take his banners then now he's been asked to remove all his banners and they're not safe and you know that the club are kowtowing to some directives and you can see the logic behind it but it's an interesting conversation that i'd like to have with you because of the culture of our club I think that, like we saw from Celtic, there should probably be something a little bit different about Liverpool. And I felt that disappointing, I think, that that we weren't necessarily seeing that. But again, it's a larger topic. I don't want to just, I just want to, I wanted to flag it up with you so you might uh, have it cross your mind between now and then. But we do have a game on the immediate horizon. Um, I think I'm right in saying that, um, you know, we, we won't necessarily, uh, have an opportunity to, to, um, talk about the Toulouse game because I think we're going to have to talk about it, um, 
before it ha- before it happens, I think that's probably likely. Um, so it'll probably, hopefully, be Monday night if you can do it uh, this week. Um, so we'll have two lose to look forward to in that one. So we'll leave that for now, and we'll focus on the game of the weekend, which is which is Luton. And I mean, here's the thing, Al. I don't know whether you think. Um, you, you talked about the difference between them and, and, and Forrest in terms of they will go for it. And their most recent outings are in, an interesting. We, we saw actually a 2-2 draw with Forrest. Maybe that clash of styles, you know. Um, <clears throat> or perhaps one of those ones where the Forest managers thought, better fucking go for it in this one. Um, the game, most recent game that they had was against Aston Villa and they got a, a, a 3-1 uh, defeat uh, at Villa. Um, Spurs had beaten them back in the 7th of October um, when Luton were at home. They also suffered a reversal to Burnley in the previous game to that on the 3rd of October. Um, and they last had a win against Everton on the 30th of September. And, you know, we can see where they are. It's, it's not a good, it's not a good situation for them in terms of the points accrued only five points. Um, to Burnley's four, Sheffield United's one. It feels like they're playing themselves into a little competition, although Bournemouth are hovering in dangerous zone there on six points as well. And I guess even Everton or Forest could get dragged into it. You don't know, even Fulham, if things went awry. But it looks like the table's kind of shaping up to be the way the table's going to be now anyway. You kind of feel like you could pick the top four and the bottom four as things stand, I think. But we have to take these kind of games very seriously, much and all as you and I are getting this feeling of confidence before games when we look at what the Reds are doing. We also have to acknowledge that, you know, each one of these poses a different kind of threat and you have to go and win the freaking game. So if we just take their most recent game and look at the personnel there, that was their defeat to Aston Villa. The way they went and their lineup, which may or may not be familiar to people, they have uh, Kaminsky in goal, they have Lockyer and Mangi and Osho as a back three, and I don't know how many of those names would be familiar to those. They had Barkley and Nakamba, fantastically named, marvellous Nakamba, uh, Kabore and Doughty on the flanks there, Ogbeni and Brown then behind Morris. And from their bench, they can bring on Adebayo, they bring on Chong, they've got um, a Ruddock Kid, Ryan Giles, Andros Townsend, who people will remember. Um, Tim Krul is on that bench. People remember him as well. Um, and Joseph Johnson as well, amongst some others. These are not household names. They do seem to have a bit of a squad depth issue there in terms of someone like me who's observing them as a guy who doesn't watch a huge amount of other lads' football. There's only a handful of names that I'm familiar with there, Jan. Um, I'm not any kind of a benchmark, but I do worry for them when I see that because I think, how are they going to have enough bodies to do the business, to stay up, or how do they pull themselves out of this situation they're in here? Do you see any hope for this lot? Is there a way that they can rally? Is there, from what you've seen of them, a definite style that might take hold? You said they like to win. They go for the win, at least. So, I think all three promoter clubs this year have one thing in common, and that is that they lack Premier League ability, like never before. You know, we've always had 
we've had a lot of teams who've gone down and come straight back up and they've retained some Premier League quality. These three clubs, Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton, have no Premier League quality whatsoever. Having said that, of the three promoted teams, I like Bur- I like Luton the most. Uh, Burnley try and play a game that they can't play when they play against the big boys and Sheffield United are just not very good. But I like Luton the most because they have a go. Uh, if you, if you, if you can't, like Burnley keep trying to play football against teams that are blatantly better than That's stupid and naive. Luton don't. Luton give you a problem and Luton go okay. But the things you don't like to play against is a load of long balls, aerial duels, set pieces. So we're going to, we're going to give it to you. And that's what they'll do. If you, you only got to need to look at their home games and the amount of corners they've had in their home games. It's obviously something that they work on. You want to get to set pieces and see if we can hurt them. In terms of quality, they have very, very little quality, but they never give up Trevor. And also think if you look at, at Luton, they've scored nine goals. It's given five points. Crystal Palace scored eight and it's given 12 points. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can be a little bit, uh, well, you know, maybe it could have been a little bit more, isn't it? And in terms of the nine goals they've scored, six of those have come in the 84th minute or later. So, oh. yeah, exactly. So what you want to make sure, Trevor, is that you get rid of them. You know, you can't afford to hang around. You've got to be two or three clear because they never give up. And I like that. They're limited, but they've got great hearts. They've got Premier League hearts. They give it everything that they've got. You know, and I also think that Luton, have accepted that we come into the Premier League and there's every chance we're going to be losing 24, 25, 26 matches. But we can't afford that to affect us. We have to be able to get to the next match and go, let's go again. Isn't so I, I, I like them. I mean, they never really invested in the summer. Then when the Premier League started, they probably had a little bit of money left in the, in the, in the budget. And then they went out and signed Ross Barkley and you mentioned Andrew Townsend, people who played in the Premier League, but probably not somebody who's going to be able to lift Luton uh, where you think they might have a chance of, of staying up. So, I mean, these three teams are going to go down unless Bournemouth don't get their act together, but, but, but I think they will. I think they'll be okay. And so, but as I said before, it's a great experience. Again, I don't know how many tickets we, we get. Do we get a thousand tickets? Probably a great experience for the fans to go and see, you know, Kenilworth Road mm-hmm. would be a great experience for the players to go, Really? The biggest, the wealthiest league in the world and these are the facilities. Yes, this is what you got to fucking deal with. Get on with it. Yeah. Yes, I, I love that. As, as someone who, who was there a couple of times watching the Reds, I, I, I heartily agree. I love that kind of thing. It's a proper football experience. Um, and by the way, Listeners now, I think, yeah, and it is, is all we have. I don't think, I don't think our videos are a thing at the moment. Um, but listeners, yeah, I'm all be bringing the fire there. What about those stats? What about those gold <laughs> stats? No fucking messing here at this show. Uh, we should finish with a prediction. Uh, that's usually where we go. So it sounds very much to me like we're falling into the mode of recent ones where you think there's a good chance the Reds are going to do business here. How do you feel it's going to go? Yeah, I think it'll be comfortable, Trevor. You know, I think there will be. And, and, and this is another thing that's maybe been lost a little bit. When I played football, every game, there was a battle within the game and that was to get the right to play. And that could last for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Often you have games who are set within minutes. You know, you're parking the opposition's half and you've got 80% possession, whatever. I think there'll be a little bit of a battle here early on. You know, because they'll, they'll come and they'll go every time we get it. 
we'll put it in behind Liverpool's back line and we'll try and squeeze up and see what we can do. So I think it might take a little bit of time before we sell. I think in the end we'll be comfortable. I think we'll win 4 now. Love it. Love it. I hope that's what, how it pans out. And like I said, um, Jan and I will probably be back before the Toulouse game just to talk about that one specific Luton game and look ahead to the European conf, uh, um, competition. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do that early in the week. We'll find out in a second. But as ever, I want to wrap it up by saying, again, cover a lot of topics. Dangle another one for next week. So as ever, thanks very much, Jan. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, let's hope the Reds can do it again. And uh, I'd also keep our fingers crossed for Lewis Diaz. Uh, and his family that, you know, all in the end uh, will be the way that we want it. Absolutely. Literally, when you think of all the things we talked about, the only thing of importance, really, in the greater scheme of things. And hopefully that will have a positive ending very soon because it can't be it can't be easy for him and his family to deal with. That was Jan Malby. I've been Trev Denny. This is Malby on the spot. And we'll be back with you, like I said, hopefully early next week. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.